Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. You know, the reason why I shared when I came up earlier about this time after the resurrection is that is that many times we do. We, we, we talk, and rightfully so, and highlight rightfully so the resurrection, because none of us would be sitting here today if it wasn't for the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, all three. And, and, and because of that, though, there are times that we, and, and, and I hear lots of messages, of course, going up until Easter. You know, I was a part of a, 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 a service and a fellowship of the, of the seven last sayings of Christ, but, but it's not very often that we get that time in between resurrection and the giving of the Spirit of God. And so the latter part of the Gospels, today we're going to be in John, but the latter part of what was Jesus doing in those 40 days, because you know ascension is 40 days after, you know, or 40 days from the resurrection counting the resurrection. And 10 more days after that, we have 50 days, thus Pentecost, 50 days after. And so that ascension, many times we just don't pay a whole lot to, but I'm sure if you were there that day, you would never forget it. This was not a, this was not a David Blaine trick to where he was somehow levitating two inches off the ground. This was a full-blown ascension in the eyes of hundreds of people. But there was something that he did before that, that once again, just like the critical nature to when he was going to be crucified, what was happening between resurrection and ascension is equally critical. And it's for us. It's informing. It helps us. And so one of the things that he did was to restore Peter. One of the things that he did was to restore one person among the group that had failed. But Peter failed so publicly There's a reason why. And through that restoration, it gives us hope. And so today, we're going to be talking about restored by the resurrected Christ. This, and and I love this, this, this placement of it. Peter was restored after Christ was resurrected, so that gives you and I hope. That gives you and I uh, the, the ability to actually look at what happens when we fail? Let me say if. When we fail in some area and how through Peter's example we can be restored and used by God in many ways. But it's critical that we look at this and that we see it is because of the resurrection that there is restoration. Stand with me, please. We're going to read John chapter 21. And then we're going to pray. 
John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. And it reads as such, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Father, we thank you again for your word. We pray, God, that as we dig into it, as we get into, Lord, what you are wanting us to gather from this, that we hear it, we see it, and then we act on it. Father, we pray that indeed you would empower us to live in the way that you desire because of the work in Christ that you have done and the restoration that you bring. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm just going to tell you from the beginning, Peter's my dude. He's, hey, hey, growing up, in Brooklyn, I tell you right now, this is the guy I wanted by my side. Never ran from a fight. Always have your back. Impulsive, but was always down with the cause. Always. You didn't worry about Peter. Now, you might worry about John. Mr. Love. Always hugging up on somebody. <laughs> Come on, bro. You know, brothers be like, dude, like, can you back up? But I like Peter. I do. I like that guy who, who kind of knew, or at least he thought he did, knew who he was. A lot of people talk about him as a man's man. And yet, I love that Jesus chose him to highlight and showcase for us because there's a lot that we can learn and understand from him, his life, and his restoration. And so we know how this happened was, you know, Jesus was talking about him having to go and that he was going to be crucified. And as he's giving him, Peter must have caught glimpses. He says, no, 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 you never going. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. 
I'm, I'm, I'm your ride or die. And Lord, I don't know about all them, but I will be with you to the end. And then Jesus turns to him, and I don't know that Peter believed it. Jesus turns to him and says, Peter, you know what? You will, before the crow, I'm sorry, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Never, Lord. And, and you know, I've said this before. Okay, Peter, if, if Jesus said it, you got to know what's going to happen. Now, if John said it, you can second guess him. If James said it, you can second guess him. You know what? You know, and if Judas, you surely may not want to believe it. But if Jesus said it, that's what he missed. He didn't say, okay, Lord, how is this going to happen? Okay, help me out. But he said, you're going to deny me. But then he said something also that Peter probably missed. I wonder if he thought about it in those days after. He said, but when you return, because he said, I prayed for you, Peter. Satan seeks to sift you like wheat. And for some of us today, we don't necessarily know what that sifting is like. How many of y'all got old school cookers in your blood, or maybe you are one, when you had to sift that flour? Y'all know what it's like. I don't, but I had a grandmother I used to watch all the time with that, and she with that sifting, because they were getting out some of the things that they didn't want in there. And he says, that's what Satan is seeking to do to you. He's going to shake your world so much. But he says, but I pray for you. And then, and then he says, when you return, I love that. What did Jesus do? He gave him an act of grace. You are going to fail, Peter, but you will return. And I don't know if that went over his head. And he said, when you return, strengthen the brothers. Well, here is the scene where we see that coming about. Once again, if Jesus says it, it's going to happen. And so he says to him now, so understand that there's, that, that there's some phases to this restoration in this part. And so that's what set it up. And of course it happened. Peter got close during the trial of Jesus. A young girl recognized him. You wanted him, aren't you? No, nah, no, I'm not. No, you must be mistaken, sister. No, that's not me. No, no. She comes back. And you sound like him. Yes, you are. You, you, you one of them. No, I'm not. I told you I'm not. Leave me alone. And then he had to bring some strength to it. Third time she came back, you, you are. And he started cussing. No, I'm not. All out of character. Oh, she was like, oh, I guess you must not be. <laughs> and then as he did it, he, two things happened. He heard the cock. He heard him. And it said in one of the Gospels, Jesus, as he did that, Jesus was walking out into the courtyard and their eyes met. Can you imagine? And see, for some of y'all, your eyes would have met. I'm telling you, if it was us, our eyes would have been like, told you. Can't depend on you for nothing. But I don't think Jesus did that. 
because of the grace that he bestowed. And we don't have it, so we can't say it. But I wonder if when he looked at Jesus, he felt shame. Jesus felt compassion because that was Jesus. And he didn't say anything. He didn't go, it's all right, Peter. Mm -mm. He let Peter sit in that failure. And he let Peter sit for a while in that failure. And I don't know what Jesus may have said to him when he appeared to Peter, because in the book of Corinthians, we get that he appeared to Peter specifically. We don't know what was said, but we know it wasn't resolved. And then we get here, and now, you know, they were, they didn't know what to do. Jesus had shown himself several times, but had not commissioned them yet. And so now he says to him, I'm going fishing. I'm going back fishing. I mean, that's what they knew and that they did. And Peter was a leader. They followed them, and they all went back. And then if you read further up in John chapter 20, you see that they're out fishing, and Jesus says to them, have you caught anything? And it shades to when he first called them. Throw your nets on the other side. Wow. Wait a minute, I remember this scene. And what happens? Peter jumps in head first and starts swimming back to the shore because he knows who it is. And this is a man who had failed miserably but is about to be restored. And there's some things that we look at that we see that and it has value for us. And it lets us in on the character of Christ as well as he deals with us as we go through our own life and our own failures as believers, as followers of Christ. And so let's look at what he has. And so Jesus had food ready for them when they came. I just, I mean, like, I wonder how that fish tastes. That's just how I think. Like, was that some really good fish you had there, Jesus? Because he had it waiting on the fire already. They're out there cooking, and he sits them down to eat. And that is actually the first thing that before we even get to verse 15, the first thing that needs to happen is Peter ran toward Christ. You want to be restored? There is this thing in our world that we think we can keep on living like we want, doing what we want, whenever we want, and we're going to be restored to Christ. Peter left everything again. So here it is. He knew the shame, and they obviously hadn't had a deep conversation about his failure. Talk about an elephant in the room when they go to sit down to eat because by now they all had heard how Peter had failed. Oh, yeah, Jesus, I'm with you to the end. They all heard how Peter had failed. And publicly and miserably as he denied Christ. And so what ends up happening, he runs to Jesus. Jesus sits down and is in fellowship. Now, if they all stayed in the boat, I'm not going over there, man. I done messed up. He don't want me by him. There might not have been any restoration if Peter decided, I'm going to stay out here. 
There's nothing I could do. I done messed up, so it's done. There's no restoration. If that pride got in the way, oh, so he going to call me back in front of all these people? You can't do it privately? There's no restoration. And Peter was not ashamed. And once again, this was a guy that went 100 all the time, whether it was wrong or right. Come on, this was the guy when the soldiers pulled up, he pulls out his blade. I'm like, Peter, do you remember? Like there were quite a few of them that came to arrest Jesus and you reach out and you don't even hit one of the soldiers. You hit one of the priest's attendants. And I don't know what you were aiming for, but you hit his ear. I don't know if it's because the guy ducked or you just that bad of an aim. And you see the impulsivity of this guy, but he was always in his own strength. He was going to make it happen. There are some of you out here today that are like that. I'll do it, Lord. I'm going to make it happen. And you think in my own strength, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus has got a failure waiting for you. Why? Because you can't live in the kingdom in your own strength. Now, yes, you are living. Yes, you are doing. Yes, you are obeying. Yes, you are living for Christ. But he's about to introduce later because he tells them to do something later as he is with his apostles in, in, in acts of what they were to wait for or who they were to wait for. And they were going to wait to be empowered by the Spirit of God. Because without him, all of them are just guys, men and women, that were going to fail repeatedly because they could not accomplish God's will without God's empowerment. And Peter had to learn that. Peter was the biggest one. And, and look, he was the loudest one. He was the one that everyone saw. He was the, he was the one that everyone recognized. And so this was a great lesson. Let me tell you all about Peter. And he was honored well. Make no mistake, Christ honored him well in what he did here. But his, I mean, his restoration was a lesson in we all fail miserably when we try to accomplish God's will in our strength. We're, we are an embarrassment. We say things that we can't keep. We do things that we know we can't sustain. And you know what? All of us are like Peter. Except some of our failures haven't been seen like his. What would it look like if, if your failure, my failure, was posted in a book for everyone to read for centuries upon centuries. But after Peter reconnected with the resurrected Lord, he didn't care. Because he realized what was more important was a relationship with Christ. And then from that, whatever Christ wanted to do, he could be involved in it. So I look here and... And they all sit down and they eat. They fellowship. 
So there is a return. And I love this too. Jesus didn't corner him on the way to the meal and say, now hold on a second. Before you come over to sit down and eat, I got a few things to talk to you about. Because that's what you and I would have done. No, he sat down and had fellowship with Peter. Because you know it is in fellowship that your heart is softened and that your ear is attuned to Christ. He sits down to have fellowship with him. And we can learn a lesson in that. For some of us that are trying to help people that have fallen, we want to come with the army and to nail a person to the wall. Get us straight before we have a conversation. Come on, y'all. No, 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 no. You done messed up. You got to get this right before I let you in. What? Is that what Jesus did to you? Is that what he did to me? See, the issue was the fellowship was meant. Now, again, they wanted to come. Peter ran to Jesus. Jesus didn't hold out the hand. He let him sit down and eat. He nourished him where he was and took Peter where Jesus wanted him to be. There's a lesson in that for us. God wants some of us, man, meet people where they are. You're not compromising the gospel by doing it. Don't compromise the truth of Scripture, but you meet people where they are and nourish them to where they can come closer to where Jesus wants them. It is in fellowship that there's forgiveness. It's in fellowship that there's you reaching out to people. It's in fellowship that there's restoration. And so now he has that fellowship with him. But understand, it wasn't just a meal just to make Peter feel good. You know, come on in. No, Jesus did have a plan of dealing with and, 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 and really talking with Peter over the failure. There's another lesson, too, is that Jesus returned to Peter's point of failure in order to restore him. And some of us don't want to talk about it with the Lord. I'd rather not talk about it, Lord. <clears throat> I'd rather not. Can't we just forget it and move on? No. You know, know why? Because you're going to fail there again. If, you, if, if, if Christ doesn't deal with you at your point of failure and get you to move on from there clear-eyed with a good view of Christ and what he wants, you will fail in that area again. Which is why he deals with our sin. And we get so bent over. And, and why do we have to deal with it? And why do we got to talk about it? Can't we just let it be? No. Because what's the goal? Not to highlight your sin or my sin. No. It's to be able to get it right. And then to be used by God beyond then. And so I love what he does. It says, when they had finished breakfast, and so they had a complete meal sitting down. I don't know what the conversation was. We're, we're not given the privilege of that, but we know that they sat down and they ate and they finished. And when they finished, Jesus said, and it didn't say he pulled them aside privately. They finished breakfast and was sitting right there. There isn't anything that leads us to believe that he pulled Peter aside. As a matter of fact, at the end, it really, if you go into verse 20 and below, you, you, you do get the feeling that it was in public because of what happened. 
And so in public, why? Because Peter failed publicly. He took him to his point of failure so he would no longer be under, be under the power of that failure. How does Jesus break the failure? He takes you to the point of failure, and you confess, and you are forgiven of it, and then you move on. That point of failure becomes an act of grace where you realize that Jesus rescued you from yourself and from your failure. And so when people include it, and even when Satan comes back and say, but you know you failed, you say, yeah, I know. We dealt with that. Jesus dealt with that. We came back to that point of failure. Jesus dealt with it, and I'm now beyond it. Well, you know you can fail again. Maybe so, but the same Jesus is still there. See, the issue is once you allow Jesus to be in the middle of your failure, now you are rescued. Now you have freedom. And so he says to him, Simon Peter, I'm sorry, he, he says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, there's been several debate about what the these were, but in the context, we can pretty much understand what he was saying. Remember Peter's comment before, I, I don't know about that, I will never, he was saying, I will never leave you. In other words, I love them more than you. I mean, I love you more than them. Comes back and says, and you know he wasn't talking about fish because Jesus didn't tell them not to fish. He was changing what kind of fishing they were doing. Yes, there's some to believe. Was he saying, do you love me more than these fish or more than this fishing industry? That wasn't the issue. Never was. Peter made a statement that's saying, I can come. My willpower, my strength, my knowledge will cause me to exceed where these others may not. And what Jesus says to you and I is, nah, that's not it. You need me. And he says something, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? And I wonder, what was Peter thinking? Okay, here we go, wow. And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And just to hit on the point for some that have taught that there's different loves, I mean, you know, him using um, um, philo versus agape, <clears throat> both those words were used interchangeably in conversation a lot. And so there really isn't a whole lot that he was asking him, do you love me differently? No, those words were used interchangeably for effect. They did become later within the Christian church in teaching for agape to be highlighted more. But here was not the case. They are interchangeable. And if you look, and, 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 and those, that have, I mean, those that study on, those that teach on Scripture, those that have made comments about it, you see that there really wasn't any distinction in it. Where the distinction is, is in Jesus' response. After Peter says, yes, I love you. Some of your versions in his second one, he says, I truly love you. Harping on the difference in the word. And Peter's response, but he says, Simon, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I love this. Peter was no longer pretending. He didn't say, yeah, Lord, I love you. He came back and said, 
you know me, Lord, and you know that I love you. Can I help someone out here, even in your failure? Don't let, for some of us, don't let Satan tell you you don't love Jesus. Yes, you may have failed, but it wasn't because you didn't love Jesus. It might have been because you loved something else more than Jesus, or you might have loved yourself more than Jesus. But it wasn't that you didn't love Jesus. How do I know that Peter loved Jesus? Because when he heard the women come back and say his body is not there, Peter took off running. If he didn't care about Christ, that wouldn't have been his response. And then Jesus met him. And then again, in the boat, when Jesus is at the shore, when he heard it was Jesus, Peter took off running toward him. Peter loved Jesus. And just because you fail doesn't mean you don't love God. It's that you've put something else in front of him. And he's clarifying it for you. And so he says to you and I, boy, he says, do you love me more than these? <laughs> and I love it. He didn't just say, yes, I love you more than these. Mm -mm. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. That's all I got, Jesus. I learned my lesson. I don't know if these brothers love you like me or not. Like, like me or not. That's not even important. Here's what I do know. I love you. No more comparisons. See, when you failed... When you fail, most times that's when we stop the comparisons because we realize we can't compare anymore. I'm messed up. I gotta stop the comparison. I'm not like them, Lord. I'm, and and, and, and <clears throat> the Lord has a way of getting us into positions where we see our pride and we deal with our pride. My family laughs at me for years. I remember when I went, I was the first one to go away to school um, out of the state. I was the first one to go away. And I went away, and, and, and it wasn't because I couldn't. It's because I chose not to. I didn't have a great first couple-year experience. Um, not because I wasn't smart, but because there's this thing that if you don't do the work, you can't pass the class. <laughs> you know that is, right? If you don't do the work, you can't pass it. And if you do that enough, they go, I don't think you want to be here. Yeah, that was me. And I remember saying before I left, they were trying to get me to consider a junior college, a community college in the city. Beautiful campus, wonderful place. And I was like, I just remember saying, I'll never go there. Man, that's for losers. I'll never go there. See, it's the part of not wanting to go there is one thing. Pridefully putting it down as if I'm betting than others there. And God knew, boy, he knew the failure that was coming. And when I was on my way home with my father from the University of Maryland, failed in my mind. First one out the gate in my family. Shamed like crazy. And then when I went to sign up for community college, guess where I went? Oh, man, you're talking about humbling. Oh, my goodness, did that hurt. And then you know you got siblings that just aren't right. <laughs> and my wife knows my siblings, they really aren't right. And one of my brothers said, oh, 
I'll never go to Kingsboro Community College. It's like, dude, be quiet. <laughs> but you know what it was, though? That was the humility that I was missing, that I needed. It was one of those moments, but it was in there that two things happened. I grew in my relationship with Christ, and I showed the strength of what I could do in school. And if many of you know, I finished when I moved here is when I finished at IU and finished strong. Yeah, but that people that see that strength don't know the failure in the beginning. And man, it was, it was those moments where the Lord says, okay, I got a failure waiting for you. And it's not out of spite, it's not out of anger, it is out of getting straight what needs to be straight. What's yours? And the Lord says, it's not to embarrass you, although you may be embarrassed. It's not to shame you, although you may feel shame. But it is to rescue you. And it's to set you on a course to be used by him for his glory that no longer, and let me tell you, no longer, I actually sung the praise of that community college, you know, and, 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 and loved the campus and would sit there because of where it sits. It sits out really almost like a peninsula um, and, and beautiful, and I forgot about all that stuff about halfway through and dug in and got my education and learned a lesson in a number of ways. And so he says to him a second time, and understand, he returned to his point of failure. Peter, do you love me? And the first one, well, first, I'm sorry, the first answer, Jesus said, feed, that word feed, because he uses two different words in the three times. Feed was, make sure, cause my sheep to be in pastures where there can be, where, where they can be fed. Who was one of the strongest and leading elders of that early church? Peter himself. And he was the one who made sure that doctrine was correct, that the sheep would be fed. When he's talking about feed my lambs, make sure they're in pastures where they can feed well. And Peter is the example for all of us as shepherds or under shepherds. Lead people to where they can be fed well by the scriptures. Feed my sheep. He said that he is telling people, he is Telling Peter, you are going to lead them so that you can help them to be fed. You're going to lead them to feed them. He asked him again, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter, I wonder if he's wondering, like, did you not hear me the first time? And he says, Lord, yes, I love you. And then he says, feed. Some of your versions may say tend because it's a different word. Tend my sheep. What does he mean? Now it is the same word that is used for pastor in Scripture. That is that poeme, which means shepherd my sheep. Now, not only do I want you to make sure that they're well fed, I want you to oversee and make sure that they're taken care of. Leadership role, Peter. Not only are you going to make sure that they get nourishment spiritually, you're going to make sure and oversee the welfare of their spiritual life. Why? Because you know what it's like to fail. And then the third one, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time. I don't know why Peter was grieved. 
But I wonder if part of it, do you remember Peter three times denied Christ? And three times Jesus is allowing him to publicly affirm his love for Christ. Jesus meets you at your point of failure and turns it around publicly. So now none of them guys that were sitting around could say, oh, Peter's the one that failed. Yeah, but Peter is the one that reaffirmed his love and commitment for Christ publicly three times just like he failed him. And he gets him back now to be restored. And he says to him again, he says to him, feed my sheep. And so he returned. We, in order to be restored, we have to return to fellowship. Jesus returned us to our point of failure so that we can be forgiven and healed then. And then restored to a position of strength. And that he was going to lead them. But then that last part is interesting. He said, in essence, Peter, you are a very independent person. You went where you were and by your strength, you accomplished a lot. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted. But there's going to come a time where you will not. They will stretch out your arms and will take you where you do not want to go. And, and we were like, what? John explains what he meant. He described how Peter would die. Here's a, he went from Peter's failure to Peter being restored to Jesus. Now, you know, Jesus saying, you are strong enough or will be strong enough. I'm going to tell you how it's going to end. I would have wanted the conversation to end at feed my sheep. You didn't have to tell me all that other stuff. They're going to take you away. Well, hold, hold. Which, which, when you look at verse 20, it's not in our text for today, he turns around because John is there with him. What about him? Peter knew exactly what he was saying. And tradition actually says Peter was crucified on the cross. And he did not want to be crucified in the same way as Christ was, so they had him turn him upside down. As historical tradition actually says that. And he was saying how he was, yes, they stretched his arms. Once again, if Jesus says it, it's going to happen. And so he was. But here's what he said. He said he was talking about in, in the way he was to glorify God. What? Yes. Peter went from denying Christ in his life to glorifying God in his death. That's what happens when you're restored. Peter did not find it, oh, no. I mean, although he didn't like what he heard, as Peter grew and as Peter went along, he understood what Jesus said, and him dying for the Lord was now an honor. And he would glorify God in his death. Some of us would think if I am dying in the Lord, somehow that's a tragedy. If you are dying because of your obedience to the Lord, that's no tragedy. It may be sad. It may cause people to cry in the morn, but you are glorifying God, not just with your death, but through life. And here's what I like. He says, after saying all that, he says to Peter, I'm restoring you from your failure. I am commissioning you into leadership, and I am telling you how it's going to end. 
Now, after telling him all of that, he says, now follow me. Now follow me. Not yourself, not your strengths, not your gifts, not your I'm a street boy, I know how to handle myself. Follow me. And Peter did. Oh, did he have hiccups? He sure did. Did he have other times where he struggled? Yes, he did. But Peter followed Jesus. Here's what Jesus says to you and I. Your point of failure, he's bringing you back in fellowship. Come back in fellowship. Because it's in fellowship that you learn forgiveness and restoration. He sits down and he feeds you where you are. They needed to eat. They had been fishing all night. And he comes back and he feeds them. But then as he feeds them, then he leans into where the need is. So he returned you return to fellowship. He returned them, and you and I will return to our point of failure. And then he restores us to a position of strength. But it's a new strength because it's not us. Our gifts, talents, our network, our career, all of what we have. Those things are good, but that's not what makes you strong in the kingdom. That's not what makes you strong in Christ. Yes, you thank God for those things, and you are able to use those things and be blessed by those things, but that's not what makes you strong. If it is, you are heading for failure again. He says what makes you strong is following Christ after being restored and returned to a position and put in a position of strength. You may not even lead like Peter. It's not going to be us. But there is a position of strength that he wants you to have that others can see and others will be blessed by it. But in all of that, Christ still calls you and I to follow him. And so my question to you is, where have you failed that God is wanting to restore you? Where have you failed in which God is wanting to bring you back? And you refuse fellowship because if you do, you, you, there is no restoration. Where are you refusing fellowship with Christ, individually and corporately? Because he ate with Jesus, but he ate with Jesus among other brothers. He's asking us, return to fellowship. Where is God calling you back to fellowship? Number two, where is God wanting to bring you to your point of failure and you are not wanting to deal with it? I don't want to deal with it. You can't be restored if you don't deal with your failure and why you failed. Don't worry about being embarrassed. God's love for you is greater than any embarrassment that you may ever have. And then lastly, where is God wanting to restore you to a position of strength? And from that causing, calling you to follow him, even though it will cost you your life. Because discipleship costs everything. Restored by the resurrected Christ. I'm so glad for this story because it speaks to my own life. And then I know it speaks to yours. I don't need to know where that was. Jesus knows and you know. And he is saying to you, follow me. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.